Well, we're diving into the uh, mountain climbing. I'm, I'm not a mountain climber, but I really got unhooked on this mountain climbing idea. So I've been reading lots on mountain climbing and how to treat the mountain and all sorts of things. So maybe I go on a mountain expedition next year with Ann. We'll go to Mount Everest. It'll be great. So <laughs> what were you going to say? Oh, my. This is exciting. Let's see what it what it be here. Greetings, Turning Point Church, watching live from Charlotte, North Carolina. Wanted to let you know the director of Ginger Connection had a healthy baby girl this morning. Here she is, Aliyah Jane Dracu, and uh, there's a beautiful picture of her. This couple, by the way, was the one that lost their other child, and uh, right as she was getting ready to give birth to their baby, they had lost their other small child. So this is a very beautiful, beautiful moment. And um, I'll make sure to pass this around today. But Ginger Connection is obviously who we help with everybody fed. So that's a huge praise the Lord for them. So why don't we pray real quick for Aliyah? And then this is, this is a beautiful thing. Lord, we thank you for Aliyah. Lord, and just that family, Lord Jesus, and going through the, the horrible loss of their daughter, but God, I just thank you for this beautiful daughter that you've given to them and the life ahead of them and their service to ministry and how they're pouring their life into Ginger Connection. Father, for what's happening there and the work they're doing with all those children, God, I pray that you provide them the resources and the knowledge and the know-how, what to handle and what to do, that they would have wisdom that you'd impart to them, God, as they minister to these street kids and getting these kids off the street and getting them well-fed and educated and to be a part of awesome life that you've given to them and the purpose that you have for them. We bless them now in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, we are, thank you, Mr. Brad, uh, we are learning to explore today. So here's the hard part for believers, uh, is, is we've lost that ability to explore on the mountaintop in our life. Um, we kind of sit around waiting kind of for someone to do something or to give us an idea of what to do with our lives. And um, I wanted us to start with this beautiful prayer, Habakkuk's prayer, and uh, Habakkuk 3.19. And I think it's uh, really beautiful what God does. You know, I rejoice in the Lord. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. And I think that's awesome there. He makes me sure-footed as a deer and able me to stand on mountaintops is that translation. Folks, I want you to kind of picture yourself that way. Maybe you don't feel sure-footed today. Turn to someone and say, I feel sure-footed now. And I think we get our faith in Christ. You know, we can't please God without faith. You know, and faith is believe. If we're not going to believe God that He's able to do something in our life, then why are we even living? And, and it's so important for us to understand that God has a plan for us. Um, but in the middle of life, uh, one of the uh, playwriter persons said it like this. Someone once said the problem with life is that it is so daily. And isn't that true, right? We, we, we're, we're, we don't think of prancing around like a deer on mountaintops on Monday, do we? And with Monday coming, by the way, I always tell people, Monday's coming. <laughs> And I think three to five inches is coming, so enjoy it. But uh, tomorrow's coming, right? And, 
And so the problem with life is it is so daily. You still got to get up, get in the shower, get the coffee going, wake yourself up. And so it's daily out there. And so in the daily grind, we lose our ability to explore anything out there, to explore the faith that God has for us, to explore relationship with people, to just get involved with life. You know, it, we, we get so kind of internalized and me-focused that we lose the complete value of what life can bring to us. Exploring, as we believe, as we as believers must learn to explore, explore the faith that God has given to us. One of the things that I believe is a big hindrance for exploring, because we, we kind of go on the preset like this, that everything I'm thinking is wrong. Well, that's not true. God puts thoughts inside your head and gives you creativity to do things. So we immediately stop. So we treat life like everything is a stop sign. Does anybody feel like that? You know, it's kind of like driving down the street on East State Street. Every stoplight there, you just everything's a stop. And let me, let me give you a little different brain thinking here. For me, this is the way I think. Everything's a go until God says stop. There's huge truth to that. Everything is a go until God tells you to stop. See, God gave you a beautiful heart. He gave you desires. He gave you this beautiful brain between your head that causes you to dream. Do you know, you have beautiful dreams about things. You have beautiful ideas for your house. Do you know, when you decorated your house... Did you walk around going, now, Lord, should I put the flower vase on the table? Or, Lord, should I put it over by the mantle? Lord, please. And you fast for three days to figure on the portrait you're putting on your walls. We make everything so religiously gunky, it's yucky. And we have no freedom. We, we give ourselves no freedom to think and no freedom to dream. There's a spirit that God puts inside of every man, woman, and child to create and to grow and to do things, to explore. Maybe today, every one of us get to this point when we say this, everything's a go until God tells me to stop. We ask this, and this is the question, this becomes our little religious mantra that we say over and over again. We ask, what is God's will for my life? Pretty deep, right? Pretty important. What's God's will for my life? I don't know. I don't know what God's will for my life is a month from now. Do you? I mean, honestly. So we paralyze ourselves with that, that thought. What is God's will for my life? Well, I got an idea. How about God's will for your life is to love and to serve and to grow and to take care of the, the farm that God gave to you? That's God's will, right? That, that's part of it, wouldn't that be? We ask what God's will, and so we sit and we wait. And here's what we do. We over-religious-size things. We overthink things. We over-dramatize things. We over-prayer for things. And we wait for that shooting star to go across the sky at the exact moment we prayed and we just wait and we wait and we wait and the shooting star doesn't come so we say, well, it just must not be God's will. David Platt writes this, something that is far more important than looking and searching for God's will is simply knowing and trusting God. Amen. Something far more important to you today 
The question isn't knowing God's will. The question is knowing and trusting God with your life. Because if you're going to be at exploring your faith and do things, then you're going to have to trust the guide. I was reading this one article about this um, lady and her husband, and they were uh, rock climbing. And she had to trust her husband. She couldn't see where to grab. And so she had to listen to her husband's voice, and her husband says, okay, put your left hand here and put your right hand here. All she could do was trust where she was going to grab. And she trusted her husband to get her to where she was to go. We want to know God's will for our life for the next 10 years, don't we? How many here you love that? Wouldn't you love to have God just script it all out for you? Here is life's plan for the next 15 years. How many had a great plan 15 years ago and the plan here and the plan here are simply not the same? Well, you must be out of God's will. I mean, that's the presumption, right? And that's how we oversimplify faith and it's actually really disgusting to God because we all sit around waiting for someone to do something for us. Do you trust God today with your life? I didn't ask you if you asked God into your heart. That's a, that's a whole other discussion. Do you trust God with your life right now? With all your circumstances and all your mess-ups, and all the times when you're blinded by the weather and you can't see the rock. Think of yourself for a moment. Maybe close your eyes and you're climbing this rock and you simply can't see. All you can do is reach out and grab. Anybody been there before? God's will. So the question today is not so much about God's will for my life. It is trusting God with my life. And He will take and do things in me that I can't comprehend, think, reach, or ask and go after. You don't need to have your next 15 years of your life sketched out. You don't need to have all your finances figured out. Anybody have your finances figured out in here? Good. And then you get your finances figured out and you get wealth with some medical bill or some problem or some situation, some school loan, whatever it is. Your house catches on fire. And now your finances aren't figured out anymore. Can I get an amen there? Well, I don't, now, what, now what's God's will? God, what's your will now? Do you trust me? And I'm not making light of it. Life, life can be hard. But we've got to figure out if we know and trust God. And David Platt writes this, We yearn for mechanical formulas and easy answers when it comes to the will of God. We want a mechanical formula. Steve, what is the, what's the algebraic equation for my life right now? Because my life isn't adding up to where I think it should be. So do you have that special book that I can read? Do you have a poem? Is there a special fortune cookie that you read yesterday that can give me the answer for my moment that I need right now? No, you're going to have to simply trust God to get you through it. Amen. Sounds really sloppy. It actually... It's not, though. It really is true. It's organic and it's expression with Christ. Oswald Chambers writes this, When you are rightly related to God, it is a life of freedom and liberty and delight. You are God's will. And all your common sense decisions are His will for your life unless He checks. You decide things in perfect, delightful friendship with God 
knowing that if your decisions are wrong, he will always check. And when he checks, stop at once. Anybody been checked down by God before? Right, Q? Right, Carl? He checked you down. Stop. See, you're God's will. God's will is to give you a bright future. That's his plan for your life. We get confused about the plans of God because we say, well, my future isn't bright right now. Yeah, but just on the horizon, God's got something. If you don't have hope, what do you have? Hope deferred makes a heart grow sick. And so we hope as we climb the mountain, as we're going for a future, that eternity is hidden in the hearts of man. Folks, whatever little sludging we do through life on earth is pale in comparison to what we will be doing for all eternity. Knowing that if your decisions are wrong, He will always check He will stop us. You know why? Because He doesn't want us to be hurt. The enemy comes to... Let me me tell you this too about the will of God. The enemy comes to what? Steal and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life in its abundance. So we have two diametrically opposing situations. We go this way to the enemy and he steals And he kills and he destroys. When you see pestilence and wars, and when you see pandemics, you need to be pointing this way. And you need to say, in the name of Jesus to that stuff. When you see murder and hate and rage, these are the works of the enemy. Don't let let the enemy confuse you. Jesus, when He was healing the sick, wasn't deliberating about the will of God. In fact, Jesus did so much on planet Earth when He was here for three and a half years. John's Gospel tells us that there wouldn't even be enough books to write what He did. Folks, we see the blind man being healed. We see Lazarus being raised from the dead. We see all these beautiful acts We see Christ work today, what He's doing across the globe. And folks, we see and read all those things. Do you know what I want to ask Christ when I get to heaven? What things did you do that I don't know about? Father, I know, I know, I know you raised Lazarus from the dead, but what other cool things did you do that I don't know about, that I didn't read about? There's not enough books to contain. But what's God's will for my life, Pastor? I have no idea, and you never will. I know our calling with God is to be followers of Christ. Followers of the way. When the believers were going with Christ, they called them they called it the way. So we're going up this thing and exploring. Jesus directed His disciples, when you go from town to town, do it. Do you remember Paul's journey? Now I'm going down rabbit trails, but we will go there. 
But remember Paul's journey, he's going to a place he's exploring. He feels like it's right for him to go to this place. A storm hits him over here and God checks him. He wasn't out of God's will. He was checked. He was disciplined. However you want to word it. God says, no, Paul, not now over here. Let's go over here. We're exploring, remember. Keep going until He tells you to stop. My sheep hear my voice. They know me. Do you know what it is? You don't trust yourself enough. Now granted, you should never trust yourself. I don't trust me ever. What I mean is the God inside of you trust that you can hear His voice. Trust it. God gave you a voice of reason and conscience. When you have something that's bothering you and keeping you up, it's okay. Maybe the Holy Spirit's checking you on something. When you're going through life and, and you don't hear God's voice necessarily during that, it's not that God isn't wanting to speak to you or disgusted with you or something. He's right with you. But right now He's not talking. You know, me and my dad don't talk for 40 hours a day. Do you know that we talk all the time? But I'm not worried if my dad's disgusted with me. I have a loving Father in heaven. God's will, get it out of your head right now. What's God's will? Get it out. The will is right now. And what you put your hand to, the Bible declares, will prosper. What you put your hand to will prosper. Joseph, how is it that Joseph is enslaved, sold into slavery, thrown in a pit, working in a jail, and the Bible says everything that Joseph did prospered? I'm in a pit, I'm in a prison, and I'm prospering? Yes, because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're exploring. You're growing in your faith. The goal for teachers with students is not to have every student in that class be 100%. The goal is for every one of those students to grow and to be inquisitive and curious and to grab onto concepts. And maybe, just maybe, that child grabs onto something and they fall in love with something and then they go put a, a shuttle up on Mars. Maybe that person does that. Maybe that person becomes a nurse. Maybe that person becomes a successful lawyer, doctor. I want you right now today to give yourself permission to explore life. Not from an attitude of, well, should I, if, when, all these kind of questions we go to God and we get really religious about it. But really, is this, is this what God wants me to do right now? If He doesn't want you to do it, He's going to check you. Right? We already covered that. Drive home, by the way, from church today. Maybe you drive home the long way. Go around a different way. Remember, I, I didn't grow up in this age, but remember they had those Sunday drives. You would just get in a car and start driving on a Sunday. You know, it was just cool. I, you know, you think about recent history. I still think it's unbelievable. 
the highway system that we have and that what they created, that, that huge expansive project that, uh, that you can literally get in your car and go from one coast to the next. All you have to do is just have enough gas in your car and you can go wherever you want. No one is stopping you from going to Texas today. So if you want to get into, go to Texas, that's completely entirely up to you. Well, is it sin for me to go to Texas today? Oh my gosh, just stop already. Drive home the long way. Force yourself to stop what you're doing and gaze at a sunset. You know, it's really cool, although Rockford doesn't have a lot of sweeping vistas, it is the forest city, and there are different angles and places where you can be on a hill and get the right angle of that sun coming down and you're like, unbelievable, it's still beautiful. Force yourself to get up and look at a sunrise. You won't need a phone for the sunrise. We take our family, we go up to Door County, usually every other summer. Lake Michigan is the most stunning sunset there ever is. We pull over and it's crazy because you go to the sunset side of that peninsula. You go over on that side, you always want to make sure to time it right so you're having dinner and stuff. And you go to that sunset side and it's amazing because all these people will pull over. They'll just go into the little bay there and everybody's just like this, just like watching the sun go down. And it's crazy when it's on the lake like that. You just watch the sun melt into the lake. Isn't that amazing? See, life becomes really simple again. It becomes simple. How many want some simple life? And you see the order of the universe. We are getting out of the car, and I remember Kelsey, she stopped, and she's like, oh my gosh, she had to stop. And we looked at the constellation of stars. She just literally goes, ah, wow, look at that. And the stars were just gorgeous that night. We're in the middle of the city. We didn't have to go to the you know, the wilderness to find the stars. We saw them right there. Become an explorer again. Chuck Swindoll writes, are you dreaming about writing an article or a book? Write it. Are you wondering if all that work with the kids is worth it? It's worth it. Keep pursuing. You want to go back to school and finish that degree? Go back and do it. Pay the price, even if it takes years. In the middle of redecorating and getting tired of the mess, stay at it. Try to master a skill that takes time and patience and energy, not to mention money. Press on. Got that tune in your head? Got some songs that you need to get on paper? See it through. Work at it. God is forever on a quest. Quit praying about things all the time. And using that as your little pet excuse. You know how crazy it is from an education standpoint? You can get as educated as you want. Learn things and grow things. Just soak it in, absorb it. I remember even in ministry, just going through those processes for me and going into jail ministry. I'm like, what am I doing in jail ministry? I have, I have, this isn't my passion. Well, I got into jail ministry, and guess what jail ministry became for Steve? It became my passion. Loved it. Learning how to counsel and developing things. And here I'm going through this counseling class and one of the things they do in the counseling class is they have you go through inner healing yourself. Well, I'm perfectly fine. I don't need any help. All of a sudden I'm writing things out. I'm like, Steve needs some help. Everyone turns to someone and Steve needs some help. 
learning and growing. Well, I can't do school. I don't have enough money. Fooey, fooey, fooey. You will never have enough money for nothing. Your whole life has been an excuse of I don't have enough money. Go get it. I only got one amen there. Go get it. Just go get it. He puts a quest in your heart. Drives and passions. Abraham, I don't know God's will for my life. Here it is. You want to know the big statement that God gives to Abraham? Here you go. It's really specific. It's really directive. Are you ready? Abraham. Does that sound like God? Go, a, a, Abraham. Let's do it like Charlton Heston would. Hey. Abraham. No, that's, that's more growly there. Go to a land that I will show you. How many like that directive from the Lord? So what do you want to do, God? Go to the land I'll show you. I'm calling you out. Or of the Chaldeans, get out of here. You and your family. Abraham was crazy wealthy. At that time, Abraham might have just been the most wealthiest man on planet Earth. Right? He doesn't need anything. I mean, let's just be real. I don't need God. I mean, that's how the world thinks. I don't need God. I got my money. I got my Ferrari. I got my house. I got my stuff. I don't need any help. Abraham, go to the place I'll show you. What's your will? I mean, he gave him a promise. Oz Guinness writes this, Our faith is a pilgrim faith, essentially at odds with place and settlement. Do you know when persecution comes to the church, you know what happens to the church? The church gets on its feet and starts doing stuff. The church starts activating and it starts praying and, and it starts doing things. And persecution came to the church and everybody wanted to huddle in and have their cute little church service and potluck after church every Sunday in Jerusalem after the Holy Spirit came and all of a sudden, bam, 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 they're being sent out. Bye, I miss you. You've been in my life for 20 years. What am I going to do without you in my life? Oh, no. Turn to someone and say, oh, no. No, God's sending them somewhere. They're exploring. They're on a journey. Our faith is a pilgrim faith, essentially at odds with place and settlement. Folks, I pray that your heart gets infected with this pilgrim spirit that you begin to pursue once again. Oz Guinness writes, the flip side of dynamic optimism is corrosive boredom. The couch potato is the half-brother of the astronaut. Equally, the flip side of consumerism is complacency. The most compulsive of shoppers and channel surfers move from feeling good to feeling nothing. Aren't you just sick of the channel surfing? The couch potato is the half-brother of the astronaut. Folks, I want to tell you that however you want to put it, inside of all of us is a couch potato, <laughs> and everyone is an astronaut in this place. You've got it all. 
What's stopping you? Let's turn to Numbers chapter 13. I think many times it's our attitude about life and people. We go through problems, and we've been going through a lot of problems in this country, and I won't tell you, it is crazy right now. Things are upside down. I get it. But we serve a mighty God, and God has given us plans and purposes. I don't know what we would do without plexiglass, but I guess we need it now. Numbers 13. Twelve scouts were sent out to explore Canaan. And we'll start in 17 through 33. Moses gave them instructions and he sent them out to what? Explore the land. Go north to the Negev and to the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or, or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. It happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe, grape, ripe grapes. So they went and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rahab to Lebohamath. Going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron where Ammion and uh, Shishia and Talma and all the descendants of Anak lived. The ancient town of Hebron was found seven years before the Egyptian city of Zoan. And when they came to the valley of Eshcol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large. Everyone say, how large? It took two of them to carry it. Everyone say, oh. On a pole between them, they also brought back samples of pomegranates and figs in the place they called the Valley of Eshkol, which means cluster because the cluster of grapes the Israelite men cut. Here's the scouting report. You ready for your scouting reports? Everyone knows the story, but we need to be reminded of it because we are like this. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses and Aaron and the whole community of Israel and Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community that they had seen and showed them the fruit that had taken from the land. This was the report to Moses. We enter the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, the Canaanites live along the coast of the Meridian Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let us go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other man had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour any people who go and live there. And all the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants next to them. We felt like what? And that's what they thought too. So I think believers in 2021, in America especially, are thinking of themselves as grasshoppers. And that's what they think too. What are your thoughts as you explore the land you live in? Do you have some giants in your land right now? Absolutely. You have some big things. You have some big issues. 
But I always want you to remember keeping your eye on a prize is such an important thing as you learn to explore and adapt and develop. You know, animals in the animal kingdom, they learn to adapt. We have a hard time adapting to things because circumstances change and we don't want to change with it because we like the thermostat at 70 degrees, whatever you like it at. It's 68 at our house. But carrying those grapes back, can you imagine? Two grown men carrying those clusters back as they explored. They say, listen, Moses, you're absolutely right. It's exactly what you said it was. But we were grasshoppers compared to them. Don't ever forget that inside of us there's an astronaut and there's a couch potato. I don't want to be the couch potato. What's stopping you today? Caleb and Joshua said we can surely conquer it. You know, what never ceases to amaze me with this story is you had a group of people who saw the exact same thing, but they came up with totally different conclusions in their life. How is it that these two guys came up with this? They were actually excited. Like, this is good. And the rest of the group said, you're completely wrong. We're grasshoppers. There's no way we can take this. How is it in life you, you can have the exact same information and have people willy-nilly totally in two different directions? It's all about our mindset. And that mind of yours and mine is a beautiful thing to waste. And I believe what Caleb and Joshua had is they had the mind of Christ on for the situation. And they said, we can take it. The rest, we seem like grasshoppers as believers today. You have solid ground to stand to believe and not back down from any fight that you face in life. Don't ever back down from a fight that the enemy throws at you. Don't ever back down. Chuck Swindoll writes, living and risking go hand in hand. Running scared invariably blows up in one's face. All who fly risk crashing all who drive risk colliding. All who run risk falling. And all who walk risk stumbling. All who live, by the way, risk something. You can set your situation up to be, in your mind's eye, the safest situation you ever have. But if you are living today, there is something that you're going to have to risk. And the problem is none of us want to risk anything. They didn't want to risk it. Chuck Swindoll goes on to write, want to know the shortest route to ineffectiveness? Start running scared. Try to cover every base at all times. Become paranoid over your front, your flank, and your rear. Think about every possible peril. Focus on dangers. Concern yourself with the what-ifs instead of the why-nots. Take no chances. Say no to courage and yes to caution. Expect the worst. Play your cards close to your vest. Let fear run wild. So if you're going to run scared, that's how it's going to be. Let fear run wild in your life and you'll never be an explorer. Let anxiety run wild in your mind. You'll never do anything. Sandra, if you wanted to come up here and start playing, I wanted to read with a little story about explorers in life and people in life. And I've read something similar to this before, but it's by Ted Engstrom, and he wrote this. I want us all in this place to be explorers. I want us all to do really cool.
cool things. And by the way, exploring isn't, again, going to Mount Everest. Just exploring life and being engaged in life once again. Ted Ingstrom wrote, Cripple him, and you have Sir Walter Scott. Lock him in a prison cell, and you have John Bunyan. Bury him in the snows of Valley Forge, and you have a George Washington. Raise him in abject poverty, and you have Abraham Lincoln. Strike him down with infantile paralysis, and he becomes Franklin Roosevelt. Burn him so severe that doctors say he'll never walk again, and you have Glenn Cunningham, who set the world's one-mile record in 1934. Deafen him, and you have Ludwig van Beethoven. Have him or her born in a black, black in a society filled with racial discrimination, and you have Booker T. Washington a Marian Anderson, and a George Washington Carver. Call him a slow learner, retarded, and write him off as uneducated, and you have Albert Einstein. Folks, these are some of the people in life that have chosen to explore. But we can't write life off anymore. I know there's a lot of craziness going on, a lot of things that we don't like. Welcome to America and planet Earth. But we have lots to explore and lots to do and lots to dream. And our excuse can't be any longer, Lord, what is your will for my life? You go get it. Invest in something. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment? As we quiet ourselves for a moment today, away from our phones and distractions, we've gathered together as the body of Christ to focus on Jesus. The great guide, the greatest mountain climber who summited everything in the greatest summer, our greatest summit was at Golgotha when he died on the cross for us. And that was because of the joy that was set before him. Today, God has plans for you. And don't you ever forget that God has plans for you. But the first question I want to ask for those today, and maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't have Him in your heart. Your life is not hidden in Him. It's been hidden in other things. Maybe you've tried to keep your own life safe and secure. And you're not finding that freedom that Christ would give you if you don't know Christ today. Whether you're here or listening on YouTube, whatever it is, you don't know Christ today. He has places for you to go and things for you to do to explore. He wants to give you a new life, a new hope, a fresh vision. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you pray this prayer with me? Why don't we all pray this together? Dear Jesus, thank you for your life and that you died for my sins and that you rose again. And because of that, I have new life. I ask you into my heart. I leave the past behind. I give you my life. All the sin, all the problems, all the doubts, all the heartache I place before you. 
Thank you for giving me a new heart. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, believers today, maybe you're at that base camp. God's wanting us to climb and explore. He's the greatest guide. He's taking us places. We don't know where he's going to take us. We don't know what views he's going to show us. The question today is not if you know the will of God, but do you trust God with your life? And maybe you've been a little paralyzed and you've seen things and you've heard things. Yeah, it's good, but I'm a grasshopper compared to that. I I can't overcome this. How am I going to overcome this? I've failed so many times. I love the God that we serve. He gives us opportunity of opportunity, chance again after chance again to go after it. Today, put those boots back on. Put your jacket back on. You have exploring to do. You've been gifted and talented by God to dream and to explore, to invest. He's giving you gifts and abilities that other people don't have. Maybe it's to write songs like we read today. Write a book. Preach a message. Be flung to the other nations. Travel, whatever it is. But today, you would say, honestly, I just lost my trust in God. And God wants me to trust Him once again and and have faith once again in what I'm facing Today, if that's you and you're just kind of reestablishing that commitment and that covenant that He made with you, I love that when we're faithless, the Bible declares that He remains faithful. So even though you felt you let go, God's held on to you through this. And you're tethered to Him. May you be reminded of that today, that you're tethered to Him, but you're wanting to explore now once again. And you keep going until he checks you. When he checks you, stop. And go whatever direction he tells you to go. Today, dear loved one, you say, you know what, I'm putting my trust back in God for this. It's not that you lost your salvation or anything like that. It's, It's that right now you've been paralyzed. That's what we're talking about in your faith. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. You're trusting God once again. Thank you. Thank you. I'm trusting God once again. I want to pray over you folks that have raised your hand. Father, I just pray right now for each person that's just reaching out to you. God, I thank you that you've never left them and that you've never forsaken them, that they can trust you. You are right. Let God be right and every man be a liar. God, now now what we do is we gather up all the places that we were trusting in before. We gather all those chips and we put them all on the table for you. We trust you. And I pray, God, that even through all the doubts and the worries and all the fears that all of us have, that we place them at your feet, and God, I pray that you would cause them to grow from faith to faith, that they would be encouraged, that they would not be afraid, 
but they would be filled with courage because they can trust you with the circumstances that they face. God, I pray you pour your spirit out of them and that their eyes would be open to see things that they've never seen before. That they would grow in ways that they never thought they would. I think of the flowers that grow in the most jagged situations and places on the mountainside. And we say, how on earth is that growing there? I proclaim to you today, don't doubt where God placed you. You're going to grow there. Don't doubt me, God says. You're growing. I've placed you there and my beauty will come through. I've placed you there and you will be rooted and grounded in me, declares the Lord. You can trust me. And God, I thank you for the treasure that you've placed in their hearts. That they are not climbing for things that fade away. But they are climbing for the glory of God. That you're taking them to places and showing them things. And I pray that blessing over them. That where the enemy would want them to slip and pull at their ankles and try to drag them off the mountainside. God, I pray and thank You that You're their rear guard and that You protect their back and that You protect and You prepare the place before them for them to place their hands at the exact place they're supposed to be. God, thank You that each grab creates rhythm. It creates strength. And I pray for renewed confidence that we will no longer sit on the mountainside asking about the will of God we will simply trust and obey God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have for them. For the places that they will serve and that they will grow. And maybe men never see it, but you do. You are a rewarder of those who diligently seek after you. Maybe it never culminates this side of eternity. But we see everything on the other side. We see the prayers. We see the people. God, I thank you for tying us together and for bandaging us. The cuts and the bruises that we have experienced on that mountain that you also heal and that you're the balm of Gilead. just as the Good Samaritan got off his horse and restored that person, you restore us. You restore our soul. I thank you for a restoration process. And all these people who had raised their hand today, I bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Folks, I love you so much. We're going to explore a lot, and the goal, by the way, is for all of us to get to the top. Amen? Amen. I don't want to start the race. I want to finish the race. I, some of us start a slow start. That's totally fine with me. I just want us all getting to the finish line. Amen. So, But I love you so much, and look forward to next week. By the way, I'm inviting everyone to, well, 
you know what, wait on that one. Well, our goal next weekend is we'll have a big party in the cafe. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah, I think so too. And we'll get treats back here. Amen? Yeah, so we're safe here. We're all good. So, But uh, we'll get the treats going again. We'll have a big, nice party uh, this next Sunday is the goal, okay? So I love you so much. If you need to pray or anything, grab someone. Don't leave here without giving someone a nice big hug. Amen? Love you so much. God bless.